Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everyone listening is doing well. Now, for this episode, I was delighted to speak to Arthony Clishin and Laura Gray of Party for Introverts. Now, I spoke to them a few years ago, before COVID, in fact, in 2019. Uh, I spoke to them about, uh, well, mainly their... Uh, one of the first games they made from head to toe, which was a very short game, but really, really enjoyed it. And they've made a few games since, a few short games. Uh, but now they are uh, working on the first feature-length game, first longer game, called Cabernet. And uh, in this game, you play as a vampire. Uh, and you then, well, you have to decide then... Uh, well, one of the many things you have to decide is uh, you have to drink just enough to survive or become consumed by the thrill of the hunt. And you can wishlist it on Steam right now. It looks beautiful from the screenshots and the trailer, which I will play in just a second. And uh, it was a delight to speak to them again. Really nice people. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to the game Cabernet. So they spoke all about this game as well. And uh, yeah, so, well, let's get to it. So here is a trailer for uh, their new game, Cabernet, followed by my interview. So please enjoy. Now that I am transformed. Now that I am part of this world of shadows. I realize... It isn't the new horrors that frighten me most. It's that I'm becoming one of them. What is happening, Lisa? I feel strange. Well, I am delighted to be joined by Arseni and Laura from Party for Introverts. Uh, we will be discussing their games and in particular Cabernet. And this is the second time that you guys are on this podcast. It was a long time ago now, the last time that you were on, talk about from head to toe. Uh, it was before COVID. So a lot has uh-huh. happened since then. Um, so hello, hello, Arseni and Laura. How are you guys doing? Hello, hello. hello. Uh, we're really well. We uh, pleasure to be here and to good talk to, be to back. you. Yeah, and good to be back. <laughs> oh, it's great to have you guys again because I got an email. I believe it's from um, a PR person who said that, uh, "Oh, you guys have announced your new game and you're free for an interview." And I, and I was thinking, "Oh, yeah, it'd be great to talk to you guys again." Yeah, um, had a great time last time. Um, and so, if people listening, if you want to hear that interview all about from head to toe all we will be talking about you guys a little bit as well but if you want to hear even more about how you guys got started your favorite games and all about from head to toe as well just listen to that interview it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and you guys mentioned that you were working on a game uh back in that interview you've now announced that game cabernet mm-hmm. um but before we get on to this game um how have how have things been over COVID for you guys? Because a lot has happened since we last talked. Um, yeah, a lot has a happened. Lot has happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, obviously the horrific events of the time, we had um some time in our hands to kind of mm. really dig into the, the development of the current game. Um as you know, video game development can be quite indoors and isolated anyways. <laughs> so we used a bit of that to our advantage at the time. So did anything change for you guys work-wise? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I guess it did because we are now a full-time company. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. can look you. it up on Company's House. Uh, wow, delighted. And everything. Yeah, so I used to, for example, work at uh, PlayStation before uh well recently i guess it was like a year and a half now and uh, now we are doing this every day of our lives 
Yeah. Well, delighted for you guys. So now yeah. you're full time. The blessing I... and the curse. <laughs> <laughs> I I can imagine. So um, so I guess the last time um we spoke, you made from head to toe, and it's, you since released two other games, uh, a lozenge and thing in itself. Um, so things have obviously progressed since then. They've seemed to be going well for you guys. Uh, how has it been, you know, releasing your first three games now? How do you guys feel as full-time developers? Um, do you guys feel more confident now? Or do you feel that you you now can take more risks? Or uh, yeah, how, how do you feel now that you are made three games under your belt now? Yeah, um, good question. I mean, definitely help the confidence. So yeah, we did first, we actually first did Thing in Artself. Thing in itself, um, and then we did from head to toe, and then a lot. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Um, I just it's kind of interesting. If anybody plays our games, they're very short story yeah. format, um, and I think you would definitely be able to see, um, you know, at the very least, a progression in how our games have kind of evolved, mm-hmm. and um, I think it makes a bit more sense how we've kind of ended up um, with making the current game we're making, um, both from like. You know, me, for example, understanding how to make digital art and to learn animation and all these skills we kind of picked up along the Mm -hmm. way um, through these short games that really allowed us to feel like, you know, have have some confidence to feel like we're ready to to put everything out there and make a full length game. I think it's uh, interesting to think of it as, you know, those are definitely things uh... (laughs) by by themselves no pun intended and uh, <laughs> uh they uh, stand on their own and we intentionally designed them this way not just because of resources or anything just because we wanted to do it because we loved short stories because we loved the form we thought that this is underrepresented in the current industry and we you know we're really proud of what we did however uh this one is well yeah it's it's a very different scope and uh, I'd say that there are a lot of things, you know, those those games, they seemingly are different from each other. If you just look at screenshots, but there is a lot of similarities in terms of the storytelling, in terms of the mood that we're conveying. And similarly, there are some mechanics in pretty much each of those games that we're using in the new one, just from the programming perspective, from the logic perspective. And I'm very pleased that we got to try it on a smaller scope first, because otherwise it would have been very, very difficult. It's still very difficult, but it's a little sure. less than it could be. That seems to be the general advice that you know other people have or other game developers have: is start small, work your way up. Now, not everybody does that. I do know some developers who started with an epic. Uh, you know, forty-hour game. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, it's. You know, and I also like what you said as well. I love short games as well, and there seems to be this obsession with long games. And I know that there was talk about, uh, you know, some players who were getting refunds because the games were shorter than two hours, and right. um, or they were giving a thumbs down because they said the game was too too short. Now, I think there's a difference, in, you know, for me between a short game and a rushed game because there have been games that I've played that wanted to be bigger felt bigger and then they end too soon uh-huh. and you can tell like and towards the end that they ran out of money or whatever and they you know they rushed towards the end now at least from what i played from head to toe that wasn't the case it was supposed to be mm-hmm. a short game and you can always you know the example i always give as well is uh, a game from cloak and dagger games is the terrible old man again like your game is 20 minutes long Mm-hmm. But it's fantastic. Like your games, it has a beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't need to be longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think because so, there's not that, you know, people don't love long games, but I definitely feel like there's a bit of a pushback actually right now. And people, you know, don't mind when even like, you know, big AAA games aren't quite, you know, hundreds of hours long as they used to be. Um, it can be a little, a little much, sometimes a little exhausting. Mm. And I don't think we ever really maybe we're just lucky but i don't think we really had any massive pushback in our games in terms of people returning them um because of like length um and i think transparency is important in that we always yes. very much marketed very clearly that our games were we often usually be like 15 minutes we would mm. give even an estimate of the amount 
Um, I think players appreciate the transparency of, you know, expectations of what the game would be. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think returns were that much of an issue, but we definitely had some uh, interesting stories that are probably too too long to go into right now that showed that, yeah, people are not super ready yet for this to be one of the primary genres, unfortunately. But we, yeah, we did... Uh, we did make it pretty clear what it is. We do believe that these games should exist. We do believe that these games should be continued to be made. It's just market is complicated. And similar thing goes towards AAA stuff because, yeah, definitely there are much more games nowadays that don't take uh, your whole life to, yeah. to complete. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, there are still plenty of people who would... I, I remember I was, you know, I was teaching in uh, like a semester in in an institute in the UK, and uh, I asked somebody if they played Resident Evil Village, which we think is an amazing game. Yeah, and I remember I was told that no, I'm not gonna do that because uh, I'm only gonna play it once, and it's only gonna take me twenty hours, and then mm -hmm. I'm not gonna pay money for that. So the attitude was that I, I'm not going to for a game unless I can sink yeah. in, uh, you know, a million replayable hours. I think it's fine also, as long as you're transparent in terms of like knowing who your audience is and finding yeah. your audience, because there's so many different types of games and you're not going to appeal to everyone, obviously. No, no, absolutely. That's true. The only uh, asterisk I would put on this is that this person would play it. They want to play it, but they are not ready to spend money because they believe that games should be replayable if they want to pay for them. And this mentality exists. I'm not saying that this is a dominant mentality necessarily, but that definitely is there. And um, I guess I guess we agree to disagree on this one. There's plenty of games out there. For that's that. true. Yeah, that, that's funny because, I mean, I wonder, does this person think the same thing about books or about movies or TV series? I mean, yeah. Yeah. do they buy books and expect that to re you know to reread again? And it's... And it's funny, I mean, I love linear games with stories, you know, mm. like with good stories. And I don't see, especially for, as you mentioned, Resident Evil, Resident Evil The Village, which has got very good reviews. And 20 hours, I don't think it's that short. You know, 20 hours is, is a lot. I think it <laughs> was my... even shorter. Than <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like we, we made it in like 10, yeah. or less than 15. And it was plenty long. Plenty long for us. But again, yeah. you know, it's about finding your audience. and being Exactly. But look, this. then, yeah. that, you know, what I'd say is I think this person might be well, disappointed. Yeah. That's his, you know, what, what he wants from the only thing he wants from games. Like, again, I have nothing against long games. You know, Disco Elysium, you might thought was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, but not every game can be 40, 50 hours because I'd never finished them. Yeah, um, and not everybody can pull it off, right? Especially as indie people, you exactly. Yeah. It, it, games just... cost money to to make. Exactly. And the wide array of indie 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 studios. I'm using air quotes right now. Um, mm. just in terms of how vastly different their resources and structures are, and you know, the label of indie is quite a you know, right and complicated I... term. Mm. That's, say, that's also true. Yeah, I'd say one of the big misconceptions is that all the indies sometimes tend to be mashed together. So it doesn't matter if you're making a platformer or if you're making a visual novel, you're still going to be kind of put under this label. And that means that people who would have uh, replayable gameplay, so things that can be iterated on, you know, procedurally generated or just generally would be easier to make content, would still face some scrutiny over the length and uh, opposed to this team of similar amount made uh, content that lasts me 100 hours and you only made two. What's up with that? But again, this is all nitpicking. We're pretty yeah. happy with uh, our audience, very happy with our audience. And well, uh, yeah, there are definitely people out there who like stuff that we do. Definitely. Now, cl clearly, if you've made three games already that have been uh mostly well received and uh and, and another thing that your games have in common is and you mentioned as well that uh it'd be similar with cabernet but with uh thinking itself from head to toe in a lozenge is they're very real kind of emotional stories mm. uh and i remember you guys t telling me before if this was intentional right these are the kind of stories that uh you want to tell so i was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit more about that before we go on to cabernet 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's so kind what, of the... Yeah, so why does this appeal to you guys so much? I mean I mean yes. I love these stories as well, but for you guys, what why do these stories appeal to you? I mean to me it's like why bother if not if not <laughs> making this, you know. This is the this is for me the goal of things that we're creating. This is what I want to convey to people. I want to make people feel things. And uh, whether I whether we are accomplishing this or not is a different story, but I I hope we do. And we did get it's 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 such a such a blessing when you are reading a comment and somebody is telling you that they this made them think or this made them relate. And well, you know, it's it's sad to to hear when people cry, obviously, but it's also nice that they cry from something that's making them ultimately feel better um and yeah that's 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 a great feeling yeah and as yeah as we've talked about there's definitely a through line for our games that is the through line even though our games you know visually and even structurally are sometimes very different from each other or you know might be more so in one genre than the other um we always kind of have that as a tenant the emotion driven story and i think something interesting about our current game our current project cabernet is that Although it seems far more fantastical um, and than all of our other games, the whole point and the whole reason we did it the way we did it is it's still rooted in kind of a very clear and specific like emotion and human stories that are really interesting to us, um, even though it's cloaked in this kind of uh, obviously vampires, you know, fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's much more grounded than it may appear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you make some great points there because I know that people still ask, you know, are video games art? And now what I would say is, well, they literally are. But yes. anyway, <laughs> if, we're, if we're going by how, how they look. But about storylines as well, I also feel that, and again, I think that there is, um, you know, there there is uh, uh, room for all kinds of games. I think yeah. if you wanted to make like, I love comedic uh, adventure games as well mm -hmm. like the LucasArts games and other games as well uh, but then there are other games there was a game that I played at Adventure X last year and it was about a character who had Alzheimer's mm -hmm. as a short game as well and I know some people uh, who told me that well look they, they're not able for that you know either from personal experience or one person said that for them uh, what he wants is for games to be fun and to kind of remove himself from everyday situations, which I think is fair enough as yeah, well. Totally but, valid, yeah. Sure. But I also think that if games want to be treated as art, you know, like movies, like books, you know, like TV series, then I do think it's important to discuss kind of the, you know, challenging topics or emotional topics as well. I think it's uh, the question is how to do it, to do it sensitively, mm -hmm. sensitively. I don't yeah. know if that's even a word, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so again, how, how do you guys approach these these topics? Because uh, in your game, a lozenge, uh, I believe you play as a as a mother going through a, a divorce. Yeah. Um, and so, do, do do these thoughts go through your mind? Do you do any research? Uh, you know, do you speak to people going through these situations, or how do you approach these topics? Uh, at least for the previous three games, and then for Cabernet. Yeah, I, I would say, firstly, it's a bit of a mix um, of things you've mentioned, um, but mostly I do think a lot of our games have stemmed from something personal to us, not necessarily literally personal, um, mm. not the exact same situation, um, but definitely for our first three games, they were all pretty much based on like a feeling or an idea we had in a very similar type of situation um, that happened in those games. Um pass on to you more so because Arsenia is our writer although we obviously uh kind of collaborate and I do some editing yeah. um story editing and writing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> writing is not my thing but you know mm. when you're in an indie studio everything every, a little bit of you everything do a bit of everything I'm sure <laughs> yeah um but all of our things start with kind of a, a strong emotion we remembered or we felt at a specific period of time um literally you know thing in itself remembering past relationships ourselves um from head to toe um you can talk more about that like just a you know a feeling or a moment that Arseni had was kind of the inspiration um that we kind of wrapped the game around um yeah yeah I I guess 
you know, I gave a talk at AdventureX a, a while ago now, even before uh, we had an interview, so way before the pandemic, and uh, it was about, well, about a lot of things, but specifically about the importance of moments, specific emotional moments, like Laura was saying. And in all our games, all of them stem from a particular feel and not from a particular storyline. Uh, I'm just talking about the uh, things that I wrote particularly. And this is the driving force. It's not the arc. I don't care to that extent, personally, about the long arcs of a character, hero's journey, all that kind of stuff. I care about what the experience and how can I make the player experience sim similar things and draw conclusions maybe on their own based on what they experience. And this is, yeah, this is a good example, like all, all of those. For example, Thing in Itself, I mean, one can argue it's a story about a breakup, but for me, it was a story about a particular feeling I had after a particular conversation when I was like 12 years old. And this feeling stayed with me for another, you know, 15 years, you know, it was that strong. And this is why the game exists. It didn't exist necessarily because of some breakup or a particular character, a particular storyline. It existed because I had that feeling and I wanted to share it. And that's how I wrote it. And similarly, it worked out with Cabernet, but uh, on a much more grand scale let's say because you can't just take one moment for a game that lasts many hours uh well maybe you can but just i don't know how to do it so we made a bunch of different coherent moments and then we tied them together in a story that we felt was worth telling yeah cool uh no it's also interesting what you mentioned that some people might think taking themselves about a breakup but for you it's about a a conversation when you hit when you're 12 and i suppose it's also you know what we the players bring to the story or to the mm -hmm. games or to a movie or whatever that that's you know for us for someone it might be like them it might remind them of a breakup that they had and it might affect them that way but mm -hmm. um no but that's uh that's de definitely very interesting um so so yeah you can so that's the three games that you've already made thing in itself a lozenge and from head to toe and i will include uh links in the show notes um but uh to these three games and i and i will get around to playing them especially since they're short you can play them in an evening yeah <laughs> which is which is great you know which is one reason why i love short games as well it's like oh yeah. i can finish them and a couple of them are free, so yeah, yeah, great. One, oh, yeah. one. <laughs> uh, so cool. But now on to Cabernet because this was your new game that you've just announced. That is, um, that is you mentioned is a fully fully length feature length game. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now we'll probably have played the trailer before in the intro, but for people who haven't heard of it. And you've mentioned before, what is this game about? What can you tell us the game? What is this, you know, set us up with this game? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned to you before the session started, um, we have always loved vampires. Uh -huh. It We can say that the original <laughs> Who doesn't? started. I know, exactly. Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> they never, I know, you know, they go through phases and trends and cycles. But we never get, it, it never feels old for us. But um, as you can imagine, just making a game about vampires wasn't something that made sense to us because we didn't have a, a kind of a core emotional moment or through line or component. Um, we didn't just want to kind of haphazardly go into it. So for gosh, you know, as long as I've known you, you've loved vampires and we've talked about it. <laughs> um, but it didn't actually become serious until we kind of ruminated on some themes. And I think mostly when we started to talk about like the concept of, you know, on a very just more emotional level of, you know, alcoholism being a metaphor for, you know, vampirism and for, you know, feeding and blood being a metaphor for it. So it was something that, you know, is obviously a pretty, um, you know, difficult and impactful topic that, you know, has been kind of a, a thing that we see other you know obviously you see other people deal with or you people can have a personal connection to in their own way um and that was kind of the starting point for for Cabernet and for how we kind of envisioned the feeling 
of the game to be not necessarily so much you know the, the whole story being revolved around it mm-hmm. and yeah from- oh, sorry go ahead oh no go ahead <laughs> no no i didn't i thought um yeah no it, it, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, you know the vampire is you know i presume is wanting blood is metaphor for alcoholism which uh, i i assume that uh, <laughs> that's the case as well um and uh, and again, I'm curious because you mentioned as well that vampires are going through different phases. So what kind of story or setting is this? Is this going to be like Dracula, you know, more horror? Or is it going to be a love story or more comedic? Or how how, how do you envisage this game so, uh, to be? Yeah, I, I mentioned it's pretty epic for our scale. It was a big jump for us from 15 minutes to many hours. I'm not going to go into how many exactly, but <laughs> much more than than what we did before. And there is room for a lot of this stuff. It's definitely, it definitely has elements of horror. It kind of would be strange if a vampire game didn't have them. It is not, it, it's definitely a lot about those heavy emotional moments, a lot about the existential stuff that we like so much, but it's not, uh, it's not uh, without levity. So there is definitely some humor, there is definitely uh, quirky characters, and yeah, it's pretty diverse, I would say, in terms of emotion. But generally, yeah, we have a specific feeling, and the game, I feel, does convey it pretty well. Yeah, and structurally, it's essentially we're dropping this this main protagonist that we have, Lisa, into this world. And essentially how the story works is it's about kind of how this has impacted her on many different levels um, without going into spoiler territory. But um, just kind of how it impacts the community she's in, how it impacts um, personal aspects of her, um, and kind of the journey that way. So yeah, I would say not to answer your question a bit more. Not so much, you know, the typical uh, Transylvanian Count Dracula mm-hmm. vampire. Yeah, it's set in a fictional country in Eastern Europe. It's 19th century, so a little end bit of, of this end of the 19th century, a little bit of this Victorian uh, vibe, you know. Cool. So a mix of different things, Eastern Europe, Victorian, uh, well, vampires. Because you do mention as well on your Steam page that you know you also explore themes of uh, social conflict, which I assume can be in this game in this game as well. So, um, so what what can you tell us about? Um, well, first of all, the main character because I'm just reading a little bit about her and she seems very interesting. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I had an interesting life. (laughs) That's, you know, making a character is kind of obviously, especially in a game that isn't, our game isn't super definable in terms of a genre. There's a lot of different genres that we mix, a little adventure, RPG. Um, So it's that mixture between wanting the character to have a personality, um, you know, being a little bit, you know, of a character that the player can, you know, feel out and put their own personality into, but Lise is kind of a fully formed character in of herself. And she starts out as being a recent graduate of a medical university. Um, and, you know, one of the first females of her time period in her um, fictional country to graduate, um, just kind of from a more historical nature. So she starts out as somebody who, you know, is meant to do no harm. Um, and I know that's kind of a, you know, a topic that's in, I know it exists in other vampire yeah. games. Um, as well, but um, it starts out that way, and essentially you can go along her journey as she kind of navigates that, as you kind of make choices and navigate it. Um, there is a main through line of the story, but um, yeah, there is kind of morale morality choices that I know you'll want to talk about, Arseni. I do. Before yeah. I go into this, should I c- correct myself about the Victorian part? Uh... Oh, sh- okay, sure. <laughs> No, it's just a, it's a, it's a particular era, I guess. And considering again that we're in Eastern Europe, it's probably it probably wasn't accurate of me. So I, I just wanted to, to correct it. So apologies. Okay, no worries. Did you mean maybe the the look that people might uh, believe it's 
similar no, to just, Victorian or well that's that's the thing I guess it's not um it's just that there are some uh fashion trade I guess Laura should talk about it's it, just but... actually kind of kind of an interesting time period so mm. obviously a lot of change was happening kind of you know um before, you know there's two industrial revolutions that are happening and our game set in eastern Europe so um at that point at the end of the 19th century there was this kind of mixture of western clothes that had started to like permeate eastern european society so a lot of the time you'll see characters who are you know either from the city or you know upper class upper middle class whatever you want to call it wearing more western garb which is in contrast to still kind of you know this post almost like serfdom um era where you have very particular you know different clothing choices and different um you know aesthetic choices so there's kind of a cool um intermingling that we as you mentioned before you're asking like have you done a lot of research on it I think that was a thing that we um even though it's a fictional country wanted to get a little bit more into kind of how would this society this you know made up society in eastern Europe look kind of in the confines of the later 1800s okay yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, well. Th thank you very much for that uh, explanation. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about the setting of the game as well. So uh, now you just released kind of more about uh, character that she well she died. And I don't mm -hmm. think spoiler to say the vampire. No, I think you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so is is this game is this set in kind of quote unquote the real world or is this an afterlife her afterlife? Uh, you know, you mentioned it's a fiction Eastern European country, 19th century. Mm -hmm. uh, so so talk, talk to us a little bit about this, you know, the setting then, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, to give us um, more of an idea. Um, so, yeah, as we mentioned, she's a doctor and uh, it's not a spoiler that uh, <laughs> you essentially encounter her as soon as she wakes up for the first time. Um, and essentially kind of go through her journey of being uh, introduced to kind of the vampiric society of her, her um, you know, community. She's in a semi, not fully provincial village, but kind of, I would say like a suburb, you could imagine of like a bigger city. It's a um, provincial so, town. Yeah, provincial, we'll call it provincial town. Yes. So a provincial town. Um, and so she, it's kind of, kind of how she works through these different, you know, social circles she finds herself in. There's obviously the vampires occupy kind of a more slightly aristocratic type way of life. Um, and also you meet, you know, characters from not necessarily who didn't originate in that town. Cause as vampires go, if you live forever, you might not have, you know, stayed in the same place. Mm -hmm. So you explore the kind of aristocracy setting. You also meet people who, um, you know, uh, are from kind of, you know, lower areas of society and figuring out how these kind of clashes happen. So you talked about, you know, social conflict, um, and then also your doctor as well. So you kind of navigate the city a bit, um, knowing that, you know, there's a sense of responsibility to all people kind of regardless of, you know, their original, you know, walk of life. It was a bit of a, a tough task in the beginning to uh, introduce this world because on one hand we wanted to start it from somewhat a blank slate and a character that character does have a particular story uh, and it's not technically a blank slate but there is a lot of uh, choice in terms of who Lisa is going to end up being but the uh, point is that we didn't want to drag it too long in terms of her not knowing that she is a vampire yeah. <laughs> because everybody knows it's going to be a vampire game. <laughs> There's no point in pretending that it's yeah. not. So we kind of tried to balance it out in the first chapter and make it believable, but not um, not ex excruciatingly yeah. long. Yeah, The concept of being a vampire isn't the thing that she's... Yeah she's not existentially fighting the fact that she's an undead being that's never the point the point is is what choices she makes now that she's in that position um and while we've mentioned while there is a there are choices there is a main kind of story and through line and a lot of your choices are about who do you choose to befriend who um what areas do you want to get to know better in the game um so yeah there's a lot of emphasis on relationships and on the fact that, I guess, being a vampire is not all great. 
a lot of times it's very glamorized and i i know by myself there is a big temptation to be a vampire want to be a vampire <laughs> hence the articles that say that that's not a choice for me you know it's not a difficult choice for me what you know what to do in that situation but we wanted to make a focus on the consequences on the fact that if you live forever that means that you live with your mistakes forever uh, as well as the fact that in order to survive you do need to hurt people in this uh in this condition and that also goes as metaphor for other human conditions that we like to talk about interesting yeah i was watching this uh documentary on netflix a few years ago called dark tourism don't know if you guys oh, have yeah. seen it and th- have you seen arsene in one of the episodes that the guy goes to new orleans yes. and he speaks mm-hmm. to people who say that they are actually vampires mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's uh, would you like to be one of them is would that appeal to you or more the classic kind of vampires uh, um you know immortal <laughs> That made me remember I uh, found a forum a long time ago, uh, a very long time ago, with people who believed themselves to be vampire hunters. So that's another step from that. Wow, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm sure it was uh, pretty much role-playing, but everybody sincerely seemed like they they believe it. And uh, there were serious debates about whether it's a crime to kill a vampire and stuff like this. Wow, okay. So everyone thinks they're Van Helsing, or those Uh people. Yeah, Uh, there's a a lot of uh, levels of role-play that that can happen in this (laughs) realm. Oh, well, I hope they don't actually kill people who think that they're vampires but um but but yeah you mentioned uh the morality choices then as well who to befriend as well so i imagine like all vampires at least in vampire that we know that she will need to get you know <laughs> get blood from people suck blood from people in order to survive uh so are you able to talk more about this so that you want to befriend people as well uh does and I guess with any spoilers, you don't need to answer, of course. But, for example, are there any ways that you don't have to kill people? Or can you just kill everyone? Would that be uh, have some interesting uh, effects as well? Or So how, how can you go about this? So what, how did you decide on the different morality choices that you spoke about? Yeah, um, so good question. So that goes into a couple of the mechanics we have, which I'll let you go into the morality uh, system a little bit more later. That's his favorite thing to talk (laughs) about. But I'll talk about the feeding system a bit. So we'll we'll do feeding first, then morality. Because they're (laughs) intermingled with each other, honestly. Um, So in our game, there is a kind of hierarching vampiric society that you can't just randomly go and kill everyone so the idea is is that essentially you uh need to befriend enchant and feed is the general structure of it usually generally speaking and the thing is is that we talked about this you know there is technically ways to play the game that you never ever kill anyone um so if you in befriend then enchant um the people will you know they won't remember that you fed on them um if you don't kill them um, they might not like you as much, but there's not essentially like a great amount of negative morality that we'll talk about later mm. uh, associated with just generally feeding, satiating yourself and not killing them. Um, and then if you kill them, obviously there is a, you know, cost, essentially a morality cost for it. And then the other option is, is you can also hunt rabbits in the woods, but there's also actually a cost to that as well, because um, a smaller one than killing a human. So there's kind of like a sliding spectrum of different ways to feed and that you can go the whole game without killing a living creature if you play it correctly. Well, not correctly. Not if you play it the way that, you know, if you if you choose to play that way, you can adversely choose to, conversely choose to do it the complete opposite. Mm. Um, and that is valid ways of playing. Yeah, um, there are repercussions for it as well. Yes. Yeah, I, I imagine that humans might be, this is going to sound weird, but in this context might be tastier <laughs> or, or might mean that, I don't know, I'm just guessing here that, uh, you know, the, the blood might be better than, say, a rabbit, but I don't yeah, know, I'll have to find out. Sure yeah, I'll have yeah. to find out in the game. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, but as I mentioned, it kind of goes along with the morality and the morality system we have. So Arseni, I know, 
love to talk about that. All right. So over to you, Anthony, but uh, morality, which you, you seem to know a lot about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's debatable. I well, in this case, enough. anyway, in this case. I, I know enough to talk about it. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so here's the thing. A lot of uh, projects established a morality system based on the plus and minus karma. And there's nothing bad about it. It's a very valid approach to design, and it gives you a numeric value to where you are in terms of your code of honor or something. Now, the trick that I've always seen with that is that you you know, you can, in those games, kill a bunch of people and then do a bunch of nice things, quote unquote, and uh, in the end, your karma is going to be in a very decent place and everybody's going to treat you like a hero or vice versa, where you, um, uh, or vice versa. So the problem that I'm having is that the things that you've done otherwise they don't really disappear right they are still on your consciousness and being a vampire you do get if you choose choose to live your eternal life you do get to think about this for quite some time if not eternity so we wanted to represent it in the game and in our system you have two scales one is called a nihilism scale and one is called um uh, humanity scale and the first one is uh, fill in when you do something chaotic or egoistic uh, and the humanity scale is changing when you do something that's more altruistic and more um, well <laughs> I guess uh, more traditionally considered good you know so basically the difference is that in our system the scale never goes down so if you make something that's contributing to nihilism it doesn't decrease your humanity and vice versa which means that all of this is with you and uh that's that's just who we are as people right we were not the result of one specific action we did a bunch of things and those things are there to uh, change your storyline Cool, yeah, so the choices and the morality choices, and as you mentioned, uh, quote-unquote, good personal, all of these choices, not just one choice, but would change the storyline. That actually brings me on to my next question, because I know one thing that people talk about with uh, these choice-based games, like Telltale games as well, is that I'm sure it's difficult to, you know, what people... A lot of people want is for the choices to matter. I think one of the criticisms of Telltale games, which I generally really like, but what one of the criticisms is the choices don't end up affecting the story that much. Yeah, that yeah. you know that things will generally happen one way more or less, uh, no matter what choices you make. So how do you go about making sure that the choices matter? I'm sure that there's probably some that will affect your relationship with the characters, affect your personality. And affect the story so what is how did you choose you know which choices you know matter differently or how did you go about uh designing the choices yeah i think firstly there's you know quite a difference in terms of like you know marketing your game is like a branching story game mm. um and our game isn't that it's um, not a choose your own adventure. it's not a choose your own adventure okay. game. so i think there is a, a great element of like specifying like how choice works in these games um because obviously there are plenty of games that try and it's i understand it's super difficult to create. right i can imagine that's what you're doing that's having different branches are as we've mentioned before all of our games have like a story that we're trying to achieve so we have this one story that you essentially as a player you go through and make decisions of um and there's different endings to it essentially um, so just structurally, that's that's how our game works. Um, a lot of choice in our game um, comes down to, and it will change, you know, there are different endings to the, the, um, to the game, but choices, you know, include like how you interact with people. You're going to have a richer experience if you interact with people. You don't technically have to interact with people in our game. Um, oh, but some people, <laughs> I guess you do, but I mean, you don't have to like go out yeah, of your yeah. way a lot of the time. If, if you choose not to, I feel like it would be silly, but there are, but if you don't do that, there are, you know, 
repercussions at the end. Um, but it's not necessarily a branching game, yeah, which I think to to make clear. But we have those morality choices that impact how characters perceive you, impact the bit of the end of the game, and um, hopefully make people think about, as Arseni explained before, you know, how choices can, you know, you know, follow you in the future, but also, you know, hopefully be a little hopeful, you know. So here's to add to this whole layer of um, morality. Things are pretty subjective, right? Uh, the different deeds come off differently to different people, and they're going to be perceived differently, depending on people's values. And uh, we wanted to try to approach that as well. So yes, uh, games, even games like you mentioned, the ones with AAA budgets and stuff, they tend to struggle with making it uh, completely wide open. And uh, people sometimes have expectations that you can do whatever you want and they don't get fulfilled because making games is very, very hard. And making different outcomes means that you create a lot of content that's not going to be seen by a lot of people and you're going to spend a lot of your time and money on doing those things. So it's not always um, it's not always possible or I'd say rather almost never possible. So what we did actually is take a page from the latest Telltale games uh, there is this one particular mechanic they introduced later in the series where you you know not all your choices in there make a big contribution to the general story however sometimes you would interact with a character and you would say something to them they will remember that and this will change how this character feels about you and then will change some conversation that you're going to have with them later sometimes i would see um character uh, wrap up in the end where uh, it says uh, this character felt this way about what you said this character was devastated by your behavior or something like this and though it doesn't show me directly a different cutscene or something it still makes me feel things because i am connecting with these characters that's the reason why i play these games and it's important for me what they think about my choices and about my persona so uh, it I think it's I think it's really important those little moments again so this is this is what this is rotating around for us the little moments little emotional things and uh, although there is going to be plenty of uh, opportunity <laughs> to to change the, the turn of events not all events lead to drastic change think about all your conversations and regular life not all of them lead to a radical shift and life and death situations some of them just make you worry about this conversation for the rest of the day or they slightly improve your connection with somebody or the other way around subtlety is important and underestimated sometimes in our medium yeah no absolutely and, and how do you keep track of the choices as a developer do you have a flow chart then you said that this character would feel devastated as some subtle changes um, and how uh, do you as a developer keep track of this yeah, it's a, it's a difficult, um, <laughs> difficult process, I would say. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, obviously, this is like the main storyline and a lot of your choices and what you'll be able to do will potentially be dictated upon. We talked about the morality system, for example. Um, so that's one way to keep things, you know, a little bit fluid. And then also um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the choices come from these individual character relationships you develop. Um, and whether or not you choose to pursue those character relationships or feed on them and kill them, you know, there, there are choices in that regard. So um, it, I would say it's not so much about necessarily mapping everything. It's about how you deal with the story in front of you and um, kind of essentially the impact it has on your morality scales in a way. I'll also give a hot tip here. So I uh, discovered that as you know, I'm, I'm doing the vast majority of the programming on the project, which is driving me a bit insane at this point. <laughs> and one thing that I noticed that makes my life easier every time when I actually go for it is uh, separate uh, streams of content. Mm -hmm. So Let's imagine there is the general quest that includes the character that you can have side conversations with. 
as soon as you include this character into the main uh, story in terms of programming, you're going to have a lot of trouble because you don't know what happened with them. You don't know how this, uh, uh, you know, it's you're, you're creating tons of branches in the main uh, in the mainstream, and that uh, makes your life infinitely more complicated. Now, as soon as you separate this character into their own side quest and put this interaction as a part of that and then have the uh, main quest go on its own way with maybe slight interactions, slight variations depending on um, a memory uh, of, the, of the character, you have a much easier time. So this has been my... Uh, like make make systems parallel as much as possible this this is very helpful for me yeah and especially in a game like ours where essentially it was important to us that every character every like major character that you can you know have a story quest with um that exists you essentially can like um bef you, you befriend them but you also like uh they they go into the main storyline in yeah. one way or another so that that's what you know what you were yeah, talking yeah. about was quite tricky because mm. they got to be alive if they're part of that storyline. Um, so really weaving characters in in a thoughtful way that didn't feel forced and that you know made sense I think was was kind of important in terms of you know navigating those character threads and story progressions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds quite challenging from what you've just said from a developer's point of view. But um, uh, but look, I'm I've every confidence in you guys at least from... <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, very nice thanks yeah no from at least from from head to toe which i know is very different but you you sound like you know what you're doing what you're talking about at least oh, that's which, good. <laughs> which is a good start <laughs> um but yeah, speaking of well programming and visuals because from the trailer and from the screenshots it looks beautiful and i Ooh. and i'm just looking at an animation now over and over again where you turn into a bat which I love that animation. So uh, what what can you guys tell us about, uh, well, the animation of the game, what engine you're using and how, is, are these hand-drawn or did you use computer or how did you go about this? Because it, I say it looks fantastic from what I've seen so far. Well, firstly, thank you. Um, very kind to, to hear. Um, I'll do the art, I guess, yeah, and you'll yeah, do yeah. the programming, which I think just makes more sense. <laughs> which is driving roles. you mad, you just said, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so thank you, because, you know, art's something that you never really know how people are going to react to. Um, you can think it looks amazing. And, and that was right. It's, it's subjective. Yeah. But... Yeah, for sure. And as you if you play any of our games, our art styles are just vastly different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true, because we essentially we, we pick things that make sense. We think make sense with, you know, whatever game we're making. Um, it hasn't been intentional that way. It just um, it, it ends up that way. Um, and we're we're really lucky to work with um, Jeremy Nixon, who is a really, really fabulous animator on specifically um, to include the bat animation that you were talking about. Um, so I, I do most, I do essentially do most of the character art. We have a couple really, really wonderful background artists as well, who, um, we collaborate with. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a whole new realm for me, actually, in terms of doing all of the kind of other non strictly hand-drawn frame, frame by frame animations, but all of the art is yes, very hand-drawn, very kind of traditional, you know, digital art, um, and we decided kind of thematically that we like the idea of these characters looking a little bit paper doll-esque. So that's why you'll see the kind of that little bit of paper texture um, on top. So just, you know, kind of metaphorically talking about kind of a little bit of the fragility and the, the moving, you know, pieces of the puzzle that all these characters are. Um, and yeah, we talked to Jeremy, who's a great friend of ours and also just insanely talented um, and mocked up a few things. And we took it from there. And it's been it's been really nice to hear a lot of feedback that it's been quite positive about it. So we're, we're quite pleased. Yeah, it, it seems like this all paid out, but it was a bit of a journey, wasn't yeah. it? With, uh, really you know, we we originally had a completely well, not completely different style, but quite different. And uh, then we did a bunch of variations and we did uh, kind of like not a play test, but how do you call it? A poll, essentially, of uh, which of the eight yeah. uh, art styles for characters do you prefer? And 
the results were so fascinating uh-huh. because they were radically different. Like pretty much everybody had a completely different yep. opinion. Mm-hmm. So there are people who rated one as their most favorite and uh, another as the mm-hmm. least favorite or people who did completely the opposite. So yeah, we had a lot of food for thought from there and we iterated from there uh, quite a lot. But yeah, in the end, it's finding something that you really love and are comfortable with. And none of those designs actually were the final design either. Um, So yeah, a lot of iteration um, went into it. And yeah, quite, quite pleased that people and also, you know, we, we live in this, you know, age of that there's, I mean, such beautifully like modeled things out there. Mm -hmm. So you never quite know how um, more like 2D-esque animation will be taken. Um, Obviously, people have, you know, particular styles that they really liked, but we needed to make sure that it fit within our game as well. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's not, yeah, it's nice to see, like you said, that people are responding to it seemingly. So that's no, I'm, I'm not surprised. And it's, and it's also nice that we have the human touch that it's not just an AI that's doing the, yeah. uh, the, the art. And so before we go into the programming, how, how do you feel, especially you, Laura, about the new AI? Are you using AI to help you or? Are you concerned about it or? Uh... <laughs> um, I, I'm probably a horrible to ask person to ask this about because um, I, I've never, ever used it. Um, not even for like, a, and it, this isn't like go me type thing. I just haven't yeah. used it for even like to make a picture. I know people were doing that a long time ago of themselves or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm not quite versed in it, but I am. I'm just always on the side of the artist and I guess mm. all my reservations are about, you know, licensing and copyright and how yes. <laughs> to make sure that artists are paid, you know, it's, we, it's all, it was a struggle before for artists to get paid properly. And it's, it's complicated and difficult and um, small detail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I'm, I'm more worried about, you know, kind of, making sure that people are acknowledged and properly compensated compensated mm. in that way so but yeah. i didn't personally I, I haven't personally used it and we're very lucky we um collaborate with some really just insanely talented yeah. artists mm. who just understood the vision and what we wanted and we didn't really have to go down any of those other avenues it just kind of came together um luckily mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely and uh, and uh, Arsene, you mentioned that you did the programming. So, what can you tell us? What engine did uh, did you use, and how did you again go about programming the game? Very general question, I know, but you can tell I'm not a programmer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think too many people are gonna be uh, excited to talk about the depth of it. Although... Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> what what question people want me to ask? So much. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, uh, of course, it's really interesting when you when you actually do it, you know, it's uh, for for people who are programmers, it's very fun to, you know, to discuss those kind of things. And uh, it's Unity. We always use Unity uh, so far in our games. And we are feeling good about it <laughs> uh, and also we're using yarn spinner as a middleware for narrative stuff because it's great for our, you know 800 pages of script oh it's more than that yeah so wow. yeah it well the only thing i can really say on a high level is that it is kind of like i i'm jumping around several times a day between loving it and uh hating it to the bottom of my heart so I don't you know yeah. it's not a sustainable uh, place for me to be it is where... interesting because yeah neither of us are you know we don't we didn't officially consider ourselves the things we end up doing the most in making the game <laughs> we're both producers uh by you know industry experience in different ways I worked in theater as a producer and he he obviously did video games as a producer so we just yeah dive into that <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's cool but not always. <laughs> and the, I'm not like, you know, I got some help from some wonderful people, but it's, it is it is still me doing, you know, vast majority of this and I am, I am cracking down. Oh, well, that's great to hear. 
Um, and then uh, finally about this game, the well, the sound of the game, so the music and uh, w- w- will there be Ooh. voice acting in the game? Do you plan on having that or text only? Because so, I know that there is so much voice acting. It's a really good game. question. Um, yeah. So uh, hopefully, or what are your thoughts on it? Sean? Yeah, yeah. Voice acting. It's going to be fully voice acted. Um, that was something that was quite important to us. All of our games, I guess a lot of a lot of was then voice acted, um, but other other games were voice acted. I'm actually a voice actress, um, so that helps yeah, budget wise right. and otherwise. Whereas being on Horizon, uh, well, I, I hope you pay yourself well, Laura. That's <laughs> <laughs> We 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 do everything. That's what I said. You know, there's two of us running the show, and while we collaborate with a lot of people, you know, we have to learn a bit of everything and do yeah. a bit of everything. Yeah, we learn so much in this period of time. Um, it's insane. But yeah, fully voice acted, and we have some really ex- people. Some people we're really excited about to be. We can't say right now, um, but who will be working on the project with but, us? But man, do we want to? Yeah. There is just there's some really good surprises coming in this regard so yeah very exciting mm-hmm. well I, lo- I look forward to hearing more and then uh the music uh what can you tell us about the music in the game we collaborate with talented composers um we I, i'm not sure if we did the announcements yet for that as well but we yeah there, there are there are some very nice people who, who it's part of the marketing strategy you can imagine to roll out you know uh, who's involved at what point um but yeah we we do have a composer um on board who um you'll get to hear there's some some really lovely stuff yeah some really lovely stuff that our main composer is working on right now so yes, yes it will have original music in it as well yes yes cool and you said a game is uh set to be released around well sometime in 2024 four is that it's gotta be right yeah yeah we're not not committing to a particular date at this point but yes 2024 is the plan we do again as producers we do have a internal schedule we do know when we plan (laughs) but we don't want to um set expectations for people just in case for now of course because 2024 is pretty safe though (laughs) you have a whole year yeah. Well, you know, we've got a time of recording. We have six months. We've got a few months left. And I then, know. You know it'll, anytime, it'll be quicker. 24. <laughs> quicker than we expect. Yeah, it's so funny, too. Uh, when I talk with people who are not in the industry and they're asking, oh, so, like, the game must be coming out soon. I was like, well, yeah, in 2024. And they're like, well, that's so long. And then when I talk with people in the industry, they're like, oh, so close. <laughs> yeah. We joke about this a lot, but as I mentioned, I'm from the, the theater industry, and so all of kind of the the flexible deadlines that I understand why they often happen. It's just gives a lot of anxiety to a, a theater producer. Mm. Yeah, all the slips. <laughs> it's like live thing. It's like no, it's happening. The theater's been rented. Yeah. We're going to lose you know tens of thousands a day. So um, we but, need to know exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, because I read Tony Warner's book, you know, Tony Warner was one of the developers of Broken Sword, Beneath the Steel mm. Sky, and his book was fascinating. It goes into programming, goes into Kickstarter, goes into, you know, kind of like video games in the development in the 80s to the present day. But uh, yeah, he goes into kind of like the chaos of what game development is. And, and Revolution were at least, you know, successful big company, and they mm. had difficulties you know with publishers and with development and i think well if they had these issues i can only imagine what other the most other studios you know i'll go through so yeah i think it's fair to be flexible in case things happen um you know different things happen and now i will include links in the show notes but uh where can people uh find you guys and find out more about uh your games well um, well, the most important link for us is the Cabernet uh, Steam page. So mm. this and wish list, right? Wish yes. list, wish list. So <laughs> this is this is yeah. Turned out this is more important than anything else in the world when you're releasing a game uh, for the better. For and, the and it's free. So, just one click. One click. So read a wish list. So just yeah. just please. The only, the only trick. <laughs> the only trick is that you need to have a Steam account yeah. and be logged in. So that's the only <laughs> challenge. But otherwise, it's all very simple. Which, um, 
yeah so then we now have a TikTok, uh, yeah. which is at party for introverts and it's been Ooh, going TikTok. amazing yeah that was, wow, a, that was a new thing for us um, i still but... haven't used it myself i'm i'm just like another thing i have to Look, learn how to use i <laughs> i understand i i but... get it uh but it's actually been wonderful that's uh, great no i've heard good things about it so <laughs> yeah so i mean there's a lot of conversation to have about uh different aspects of a social network for personal use for business use i have a lot to say on all accounts but it, for yeah. us it has been very, very it's been good. wonderful in getting our game out there yes is what we'll say that's the Which, official line yeah. um we're at yeah. over i think million hundred thousand views and wow uh, um, yeah, we were quite lucky. We had a couple of videos pop off. So yeah, um, found the amazing audience in there yeah. who couldn't couldn't be nicer. And uh, you know, like we were, we were very happy with this. Yeah. So that was my interview with Anthony and Laura, developers uh, working on Cabernet and uh, the duo who make up Party for Introverts. And uh, delight to speak with them. Um, and I uh, hope you enjoy listening to that as much as I enjoy speaking to them. And hopefully I get a chance to meet them in at AdventureX and hopefully other conferences as well. Uh, so I would encourage people to wishlist Cabernet. Uh, to people like the look of it and help them out as well. And uh, I look forward to playing it when it is released. So, uh, so yeah, so that is it for, for this episode. I I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I will speak to you again. We will be back with reviews of the latest adventure games that we've been playing and more interviews coming throughout the year as well. So thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>the adventure games podcast then please subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts please leave a review on itunes if you can as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a adventure game developer or adventure game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you